a gremlin in the works, I guess. <laughs> Thing is, I checked it on Audacity before we started. Hmm. It sounded fine, so. Hmm. I don't know. If it's not like carrier pigeon or written down on a piece of paper, I just trust that it's working or will work. I don't know the how to live. everyone and welcome to the new episode of rabbit holes podcast i'm one of your hosts elise and i'm your other host andy and welcome to a new episode of rabbit holes podcast this is episode 20 two zero two zero that's 20 hours of content out in the world that's a lot that is yes 21 when you take in the massive year in review yeah that yeah that was that was a big one, and we barely scratched the surface. Indeed. Like, like, like we just hit really big news items, and we left a lot uh, on the ground. And I was thinking about it after we finished recording, all the stuff that we could have covered and didn't. So, <laughs> Oh, I know. Our listeners should be very grateful for the fact that they didn't get an even longer episode out of us. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Uh, so our listeners will notice that uh, this is episode 20, but in a couple of weeks, you're going to hear us say, this is episode 20. We've just decided to mix up our schedule. So we have one pre-recorded in the bank and we're going to use it later. So that's going to be episode 22 or 23. And uh, we aren't on uh, meth when you listen to that. That's just us rearranging our schedule. That's all. Yes. Yeah. So that makes this episode the first episode of the new year, it which is does. very exciting. How often do you get to do the first anything of the new year twice? <laughs> Depends on how drunk you are, I suppose. Ooh, this is true. <laughs> so we talked about it and we decided that Andy would be going first um, for this second first episode of the new year. So take it away, Andy. Well, and uh, it's very fitting that it's the second first episode because I'm going to look at some things that are coming up in 2019 to look forward to. Oh, exciting. Which I had planned to do anyway. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to talk about books that are coming out, uh, movies and music that are coming out. So Ooh. yeah, it's not going to be totally, it's not going to be overly long, but it's just, I picked some things that sounded really interesting and we'll look at how Hollywood really is not that um, creative anymore. This is very true. I think we could say that for the last few years, but let it be broke. All right. So here's some books because we're both big readers. We both big uh, lovers of books. So here's a few that I picked out when I looked at some uh, lists. There's tons of books obviously coming out. What, like hundreds every year, thousands. This yep. is just a few. Um, so one is A Mouthful of Birds, stories by Samantha Schuweber, a collection of short stories that sit somewhere between miniature mysteries and fairy tales. And she's an arch... Ar She's from Argentina, surprisingly, mm -hmm. that last name. Um, but yeah, so this is her second book. Her first novel, which was translated into English, came out in 2017 to fanfare. So people are really looking forward to this collection of short stories. Hmm. There's one called The Water Cure 
by Sophia McIntosh. This book follows in the footsteps of The Handmaid's Tale and Naomi Alderman's The Power. It's a dystopian feminist revenge tale about women who live on an island controlled by their king. But what drew me to this book and its review was that it's um, sort of being compared in its style to the virgin suicides, that sort of gazy, sexualized prose, like how he formulated the, the, the words and the sentence structure and that sort of imagery that the virgin suicides depicted Mm -hmm. this is being um kind of compared to that well so uh that the virgin suicides is one of my favorite books also one of my favorite book movies my favorite soundtracks i have all three (laughs) i quite love that movie and i know that you're a big fan of the handmaid's tale and so i thought that would be something that we will both be interested in yeah feminism good dystopian good uh, all together good so i'm looking forward to that exactly. one exactly <laughs> the next one is the edge of loneliness by benedict wells this book centers on two older siblings who are orphans and it follows a uh, the the two through a series of events that are unfortunate but also funny and joyful so the book is based sort of off his childhood that he um was he grew up in state-run Bavarian boarding schools after illnesses and financial troubles befell his parents and they had to send their kids away. So it's this fictitious look at this group of orphans, but it really is sort of centered on his very almost Dickens-esque childhood growing up. Hmm. That was from... So the next one is The Collected Schizophrenia Essays, (laughs) which is by Esme Y. Jean Wang. And it's called being called a brave book is mostly the author discusses her own mental illnesses and in a frank straightforward manner she looks at not only her illnesses because she's schizophrenic she's bipolar the limitations of being diagnosed with these illnesses as well as the mixed blessing that often having a label for those illnesses come with like it's great to know that you have something but then it's the whole being labeled and how that's great and also so apparently these essays are, are quite the collection of essays it's really quite good for the people who've like pre-read them so they're getting a lot of buzz and that comes out i think in the middle of the year that's what we need more of people talking about their own mental health struggles and being so open with it we need more of that agreed and the last one um there's tons of books that i could have picked from and the last one was the threat how the fbi protects america in the Age of Terror and Trump by Andrew McCabe, the former FBI director who was canned 26 days before his retirement. Oh, yeah, that was a massive dick move. <laughs> so he spent most of last year writing a book that looks at 20 years of major investigations that he was involved in. Nice. As well as sort of looking at Trump, but it's not just all about Trump. I think the gist I got was it from it was really him and some of those other former directors and FBI people are really wanting to really depict, get out there a better depiction of the FBI to the public. Yeah. Like this is sort of what we do. Yeah. And it is important. And it's not quite what you see on TV, but this is what it is. So I guess it's very much looking at these 20 years of major investigations, one of being the Boston Marathon bombings. Mm. 
and how the FBI handled them, as well as sort of, I guess, the end of it, it's looking at like what he feels is the biggest threat right now is the Trump and the Trump's administration stamping all over the Constitution. Uh, I feel like we should all go out and buy a copy just uh, to contribute to his pension plan, because those 26 days cost him in terms of his personal retirement savings abilities. I'm pretty sure he's fine because he was the FBI director. Still a civil servant, though. DC is not the cheapest place to live. (laughs) No, but uh, it sounds interesting, especially if you're just if it's not about the Trump for the people, it's maybe more about the investigations and the behind the scenes of some of that would be quite interesting. Yeah, for sure. So that's just a few books. There's tons more coming out. Um, You know, there's a lot of the same. There's a few, um, um, lots of authors have new novels coming out. No one knows when the next Game of Thrones book is coming out. Everybody's waiting. No one knows. It might come out this year. Who knows? The author, the the starting of one of the articles that I was reading about books, the the McLean's one, was like uh, attributed his fans to Leafs fans who are always <laughs> who are you know so breathlessly waiting for them to win yet another Stanley Cup so it's like Game of Thrones book fans <laughs> and Maple Leaf fans <laughs> in the same level of hope I totally get that these are huge books for him to write like they all clock in at like six or seven hundred pages a piece and they're all like super dynamic and that but like not for nothing, he doesn't look like the healthiest guy on the planet, so I would very much like for him to finish them as soon as possible in order to, uh, you know, save us all from never knowing what the ending is. And B, he's made it very clear he hates the writing process. I think one of the reviews or one of the articles recently I read about that it was him saying the best thing about the book was he was done writing it. So, like, he fucking hates the process, which I get. Because when you're talking about this complex of a novel, okay, but like you have a lot of people's time and HBO's money invested in this whole like sideshow, so you really gotta like get buckled down and do the damn job. <laughs> well, I guess now that this the series is done, like they're done taping it, yeah, maybe he'll actually because he's been involved with that too. Yeah, but he's also been involved with like playing a lot of video games and enjoying the fact that he's making a lot of money. Like he's been very clear about that as well. No doubt, no doubt. But maybe, maybe he'll buckle down and, and do a solid and not leave us, leave us in a, like a grave secret <laughs> type of situation. Exactly. So movies, lots of okay. There's going to be way more movies than this, obviously released this year. But uh, these are the ones that uh, are sort of most anticipated, although a lot of them. So I've broken them down into comic books, sequels or franchise movies, Mm -hmm. others, standalones and live actions. Live actions are big this year. Right. And then there's one that's remakes. And I put one. It either could be in a franchise or it could be a remake. Who knows? So comic books, comic book movies have been, you know, the rage the last what 10 years five years i don't know as we learned in our new year's wrap-up in review show what was it like three or four of the top grossing movies for last year were comic book movies oh yeah the 
like four or five of the top ten were because yeah. you had like Black Panther, you had Avengers, you had Ant Man and the Wasp, which wasn't even like a big yeah. Anyways, <laughs> so coming out, we've got two lady driven movies Ooh. this year. Um, so Captain Marvel, which is the first female led Marvel movie, um, and it has Brie Lawson, yes, from the Room, yeah, as Captain Marvel. She is a Air Force pilot who has, of course, special powers. And you also have, uh, which is also a Marvel movie, you have Dark Phoenix. So the lady-driven X-Men feature. Hmm. So Jane Grey, her her villain alter ego is the Phoenix, Dark Phoenix. None of this. And this one has, I can't remember who's starring as her now. Shit. But it has uh, James McElroy. Jennifer Lawrence as the young Mystique, so that sort of X Men first class group. Okay, none of this hits with me because I've not seen any of the X Men movies and very few of the, like I've seen some of the Avengers movies, but it's it's not my bag. Uh, I only know anything about Mar- uh, X Men is because I used to watch the X Men comic, like the TV show okay. in the nineties. So that's and I watched the first few X Men movies, like the original ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's the Avengers Endgame, which is supposed to tie up plot points and be like the final battle with Thanos. Okay. Spider-Man uh, Far From Home, which is the spinoff. Joker with Jacqueline Phoenix, though, not uh, Jared Leto. <laughs> thank God. And Shazam. Wait, what? Yeah. How did, the yeah. comic book. Oh, not like the Shaquille O'Neal slash uh, no. Sinbad. No. Got it. Nope. This is a white guy. <laughs> uh, so Shazam. Rounding out the comic books uh, movies of the year. Then we get the sequels franchise movies, which there's a lot. There's Glass, which is the M. Night Shyamalan's follow up to Split which was sort of his return to form, many people say, but it also ties more in that Unbreakable. So Split tied in with his movie Unbreakable, one of his earlier movies. Mm -hmm. And this one, Glass, stars James McElroy, Bruce Willis, and Samuel L. Jackson. I've never seen any of them. Me either. Uh, Someone ruined um, Six Sense for me. Six Cent Sense for me. Bastards. I know we were saying so this was many many moons ago and I was with a boyfriend at the time and we were talking to his cousin we were saying we're gonna go see it tonight and he's like oh my god I just saw it you'll never guess Bruce Willis is dead and we're like well it's a fucking asshole (laughs) (laughs) what a jerk (laughs) well thanks that's the whole twist (laughs) yeah I couldn't believe it so there is a second Lego movie called Lego, the Lego Movie 2, the second part. Maybe it's just because I'm not the target audience, but I did try to watch the first one on Netflix. I fell asleep the first night I tried to watch it. And then the second night I realized I fell asleep because I just found it to be a bad movie. I've never watched it. so. <laughs> John Wick, Chapter 3. Is that dog still... I don't know. I've never seen a John Wick movie either. Me either. I had it explained to me, like, the whole premise of it. And I was like, really? Like, that was enough for, like, a 90-minute and a sequel? Apparently they're really good, though. Like, somehow they're really good. They must be if they keep making the money to get the sequel greenlit. Um, Men in Black 4, with none of the original cast. But it does have um, 
Liam Helm Liam Helmsworth and Tiffany not Haddish, it's somebody else. And they were also in Thor together and they apparently were really quite funny together. Oh yeah, okay, I can see that. So apparently there's there's high expectations for that just because no one realized Liam Helmsworth until Ghostbusters had really good comic timing. Yeah, he was like in like a movie of really funny people. He was just came out of nowhere with the hilarity. And I think he I laughed the hardest when he was on screen. And I have a lot because I haven't seen Ghostbusters, but I heard a lot of reviews was that he was the scene stealer every, for yeah, sure. Every time, every time. <laughs> so. Uh, there's a Toy Story 4. <laughs> we just keep raking in that millennial money, aren't they? Yeah. There's a Fast and Furious Hobbs versus or Hobbs and Shaw. So this is technically a spin-off, but I've put it under sequels and franchises because yeah. Is this the one where like The Rock really pissed off Tyrese and Tyrese went on like a full 13-year-old meltdown? Yes. Okay. I, I, I'm I not a Fast and Furious fan, and I only follow that thanks to Kid Fury and Crystal on the read. Their constant breakdown of uh, Ty Diggs' just ridiculous behavior was... Not Ty Diggs. No. Tyrese. Tyrese was just hilarious. <laughs> well, I mean, he has a lot of baby mamas he needs to keep in money, so... <laughs> But it just came off as like, I'm a 13-year-old girl breaking up with my boyfriend for the 400th time via social media. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it Chapter 2. Uh, Zombieland 2. Okay. Frozen 2. Oh, my God. I feel sorry for parents everywhere. My condolences. Thank you, because I know I'll be watching it, because my kid <laughs> loves Frozen. <laughs> Uh, another Terminator movie that has ha- has no name, but it does star Arnie. So he's back, at least. <laughs> uh, Death on the Nile. So, uh, mm. yes, Kevin Kenneth Branagh is really taking his Hercules Peru. I guess he's decided he's done with Shakespeare for the time being, and now he's all over the Agatha Christie of it all. I guess so. Hmm. And in Star Wars Episode Nine. Okay. Which is supposed to close this current arc. And then there's the Downton Abbey movie. Yes, I have seen news of this. I still have to finish watching that series. Which I sort it's not really a sequel, but it, to me it's part of a franchise because it's a you know, movie spin-off tie-up yeah. of the series. So then we have some other standalone movies. There's mm-hmm. not that many of them. <laughs> of course not. Well, I'm sure there will be, but uh, a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which is a biopic about Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers. And that's Tom Hanks, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. The Goldfinch, which is a, an adaptation of a novel about a teenage boy who suffers a, who survives a terror attack in New York City. That stars um, Nicole Kidman and a bunch of other people. See, I've heard that the book is almost interminable to get through. It's one of those books that, like, you read because everyone's reading it. And so you feel mm. like you have to. Yeah, but that's how I felt about Wicked, but I really love the musical. So <laughs> maybe sometimes, yeah. like, maybe it's, like, the best exotic marigold hotel of it all. That book was painful to read. That mm-hmm. movie is a delight. True. And I guess it's the Alexandra Dumas 
caveat we can call it like if you try to read alexander dumas like his books are bigger than charles dickens's like if you hit a bitch with one of those they're going down hard <laughs> but like the story is amazing and like all of the only three musketeers count of monte cristo so like when you take those and put it into movie format then it becomes some awesome awesome content to watch but reading it i would never bother reading an alexander dumas that's unabridged it's not worth it yeah, it's just sometimes things are actually better in movie form. Yes. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is Quentin Tarantino's ninth film, which is a behind-the-scenes look at Hollywood in 1969, with the Manson murders as the backdrop hmm. for the whole movie. Now, Sharon uh, Tate's sister, Sharon, Shannon, Sharon, yep. uh, has been sort of up in arms about how her sister was depicted and how the murder is used in the movie. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how it's received. I think I saw some behind the scene pictures of Margot Robbie playing Shannon Tate. Yes. Sharon Tate. And Dead Ringer. It was creepy. Yeah. So like I love Margot Robbie, but uh, yeah, her sister, the real life sister, yeah. was pretty up in arms with just how it's sort of sensationalized a bit. Yeah. And, and I can see that because it is such a, um, a touchstone of culture in like that 60s hollywood feel but you have to remember it's like it's people's family members and a terrible vicious wicked crime at the heart of it exactly. so this romanticizing a violent crime i can see why the family is less than thrilled with it yeah and i guess it's their take on it and how they portray it in this the context of this movie that they weren't really pleased with mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see when it comes out yeah uh, Rocket Man, which is a bio flick on Elton John, obviously, starring Theron Egerton. He's the guy from um, the Kingsman service. Okay. I got nothing. It's not the kid from Whiplash. No. Baby Driver. No. Okay. <laughs> similar, though. They all look very similar. <laughs> like, all with, like, these kind of little bit odd names, and they all look like cream of wheat that's walking around so (laughs) he's the one that was in the knightsman the kingsman secret service with colin firth the original one and he was in the really bomb the big bomb of robin hood oh okay that's with jamie fox yeah we were talking about it last week so that's why it kind of sounds moderately familiar to me and i'm just like okay i feel like we've had this discussion before and why am i not cluing in (laughs) Yeah, so now he does look just like Elton John in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've seen some pictures. And the guy who is who directed this was the one that they brought in after they fired Brian Singer from Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. So, it, like, he'll get his, his whole title, like, his whole directing title, oh. I guess, <laughs> for this one. But uh, it looks like it's going to be fairly good. Um, Jordan Peele has a follow-up to Get Out coming out called Us, which is about a family. It's a thriller again. It's about a family being stalked by a group of doppelgangers. Oh. Um, I am waiting desperately for Netflix to put out Get Out. Like, it has to happen soon. And uh, when the Us uh, trailer came out, Black Twitter just, like, exploded. So now I want to see that as well because it looks like it's going to be really good. And you don't like scary movies. Yeah, exactly. But like Get Out got so much good play and so much good reviews. And 
it kind of got spoiled for me too, which pisses me off because I just wasn't quick enough on going and seeing it. So that's on me. Um, but I'll watch anyone who can tell a good story. And I don't think there's enough representation in Hollywood. So I will watch those stories specifically to prove to the industry that they need to start telling those stories more. And you'll go at like, you know, 1230 in the day. Yes. And hope that I forget enough of it so that I can sleep at night. (laughs) (laughs) So we have a bunch of live action cartoon remakes to live action this year. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about these, but let them let it roll. (laughs) So the first one is Dumbo. Yeah. I watched the like I saw two pictures from the trailer and started like tearing up with like Dumbo and that like sad clown face that looks like he just blew a guy in a truck stop. And I'm just like, I can't watch it. Well, it's Tim Burton. So it's probably going to be a lot of that. Cannot. (laughs) Like the cartoon was hard enough for me as a kid. So I think I'm going to pass on that one. Uh, Aladdin, which is directed by Guy Ritchie and has Will Smith as the genie. Again, all for the representation, but I don't know, the the pictures of Will Smith as the genie are just weird. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Pokemon Detective <laughs> Pikachu is a live action uh, Pokemon movie, but it's shot in a film noir style. <laughs> With Ryan Reynolds as Pikachu's voice. They are desperate for that millennial money. (laughs) And then there's the, obviously, the much hyped up Lion King live action. Yes. Which I'm curious to see. I'm like, I'm not. Like, The Lion King was my last cartoon movie when I hit, like, got over that hump of, like, I'm done with cartoons. I'm too old for it. So it has, like, a place in my heart for that reason. I'm not entirely sure I want to give that place away to something new that's so odd sounding so i might watch a few minutes of it just to get the gist of it and then our last category for movies are remakes okay um so they're remaking pet cemetery oh boy pass Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then there's another godzilla movie which it could be a franchise it could be a remake who knows (laughs) it's called godzilla king of the monsters and there's a lot of monsters in it and some humans. Pass. Yeah. <laughs> Why does Godzilla always move so fast and they don't evacuate any towns? They're like, oh, he'll be here in three days. <laughs> Let's panic. It's three days, people. Like, Jesus. <laughs> Apparently he fights a bunch of big monsters. Who knows? Ah. And then let's talk about some TV shows. So uh, if you are a fan of The Wire or Game of Thrones and the guy who played Littlefinger. Hmm. He was apparently in both. Okay. Uh, He has a new TV show coming out on the History Channel called Project Blue Book, which is all about the U.S. Air Force's UFO investigations in the 50s and 60s. History Channel just needs to rebrand itself. It is not the History Channel. It is the Crackpot Channel. Crackpot and Pawn Stars. Like, let's just stop calling it history, please. I knew you'd enjoy that one. Well, the U.S. the U.S. Air Force did investigate UFOs in the fifties and sixties. Yeah, but they're going to peg in into that light of the whole ancient aliens guy vibe and less of oh, uh, the World War One Ken Burns style vibe. So, no, this this goes towards the crackpot and not the historians in the crowd. Uh, YouTube Premium has a show, a TV show coming out called Wayne. Okay. 
which is John Wick meets John Hughes. Oh my God. So it has two teen leads, but it's not a normal teen angst show. It's highly violent, sad, funny, and optimistic all at the same time. Apparently it's really good. The person who wrote the review for it was like, I'm obsessed. I can't wait for it to come out. And I've only seen two episodes. But that's like saying it's like Sesame Street meets Mad Max Thunderdome. Like these things don't go together. <laughs> what? Oh, I agree. Then one of my two most uh, excited for TV shows, which I guess I have to try to get the channel. I think it's on Showtime. A Discovery of Witches. Yes. Uh, which is about a witch who is sort of hiding her powers, doesn't really use them. And then anyway, shit starts happening. She meets a really old vampire. And yeah, things get weird and awesome. And the book is amazing. It's, I, I read one or two of them, even let me. It, it, I felt it was kind of like Twilight, but well-written and involving witches. Yeah, it's like sort of like a Twilight if it was written better. Um, plus a bit of Anne Rice's witches. Yeah. Mayfair witches mixed with, I don't know, I, I really, I didn't like the third book as much as the first one. The first one really got me. The second one was pretty good and the third was mm, okay. The start of the ending felt a bit jumbled to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I really liked the first one. So I'm really hoping that the, the TV show will be pretty good. Because I've actually read the first book twice or three times now. That's saying So when I have very little time for reading, yeah. <laughs> that goes to show. That uh, shows you something. So Black Monday, which is a comedy that's all about the worst stock market crash ever. Huh. But it stars Don Cheadle, oh. Andrew Randalls, and Regina Hall. And it's one of the executive producers is Seth Rogen and Evan Goldstein, his writing partner. Oh. So... It looks like it's actually going to be pretty funny for such a depressing-ass topic. Okay, this one I really want to see now, now that I've read about it. I didn't know about it before, Mm -hmm. but it's called Miracle Workers. And it's a workplace comedy set in heaven. And it stars Daniel Radcliffe and Steve Buscemi as God. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would probably be worth checking out. Exactly. (laughs) Like, he's keeping, Daniel Radcliffe is really keeping that oddball, like, off-beat thing he's got going since Harry Potter. Like, he plays the corpse in Swiss Army Man, like. Yeah. Well, when you make as much money as I'm sure he did for those, like, what, ten flicks? Like, he's set. He could have retired when he was done and, like, bought an island and just lived quietly for the rest of his life. So, everything now is just fuck you money. (laughs) Sadly, Rupert's uh, stuff hasn't quite been as good. I watched a little bit of the sick note. Yeah, I think it's because like he reversed long bottomed, and so it's just hard to watch him. Yeah, and it's always the same. So he's playing the exact same character he played in anything that he's done pretty mm-hmm. much since he came out. This sort of slacker loser, buddy side cop style. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Anyways. So then we get to, I think most of these are either cable or streaming services. I'll have to, there's going to be links in our show notes anyway to the articles. The Fix on ABC is from producer Marsha Clark. Okay. The Wait. DA from 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, like, the, D- the DA from the O.J. Simpson trial. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she was one of, I think, the executive producers on that American story, O.J. Yeah, but they would have given her that just to get access to the inside story. Like... But this is actually one of her projects. So it's exciting to see like a sort of second career for her. But this is about, so it's called The Fix. And it's about a famous movie star who's charged with a double murder and the DA who's trying to convict him. And I guess she doesn't get a conviction the first time around. And then he's charged with another murder sometime later. So it's sort of her getting a second crack at it. But it has two female, uh, lead female writers who have the chops to show. And so it sounds like it's going to be a good watch. They've written for stuff like The 100 and a few other shows. So it sounds like it's going to be a pretty interesting watch. Hmm. Uh, Next one is Central Park 5, and that's from Netflix. It's a limited series from Avra Devine. She did The Wrinkle in Time Okay, yeah. And it looks at the miscarriage of justice that took place in 1989 when five young men, all people of color, were wrongfully convicted of sexually assaulting a woman in Central Park. Uh, I assume that the final screen is just going to be uh, just in white on black font. Uh, Fuck you, Donald Trump. You owe us an apology. Because he actually published a full-page ad in the New York Times around that time calling for the five of them to be executed, even though they were clearly not the ones who did it, and he's never apologized. Mm, I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, The next show is the one that I am most excited for, which is Good Omen. Yes. So it's an angel and demon team up to stop the apocalypse, starring my favorite David Tennant, as the demon and he looks so funny in some of these outfits yeah i can't wait i have a feeling that's going to be one of those things where it translates better on the screen than on the page because i read it and i kept falling asleep while reading it and that's really rare for me to fall asleep reading a book when it's not like two in the morning but i would like be sitting at in my in my room at like eight o'clock at night and like nodding off reading it so it had so much potential it just never the comedy didn't land properly, I don't think, on the page. I'm hoping it's going to land with um, David Tennant and Michael Sheen. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And then John Hamm is in it. So, yeah. like, there's things for the two of us to be excited for in this one. Yes, very much so. Uh, the next one is The Red Line, which is a drama. It's on CBS. It's a drama around a white cop who mistakenly shoots a black doctor and then it follows three families as they deal with the fallout from that. Hmm. And this is uh, touted as Noah Wiley from ER, his return to network TV. Yeah, He I hasn't can... actually been on a network TV show since ER. He was in a few cable TV shows and stuff and some movies, but nothing mainstream. Wasn't he like a low-rent Indiana Jones at some point for the CW for a while? Don't you knock the librarians? That was an entertaining <laughs> show. It was terrible, but it was entertaining. <laughs> so now on to some albums so this is going to be a lot of people that Elise has no idea who I'm talking about no nope, I got nothing emoji shrug that's all I got well you might know some of these uh, so Lena, Lana Del Rey apparently has a new co- album coming out called Norman fucking Rockwell how much angst can one person have in their lifetime before they just like give up and get a mortgage and get over it 
don't know. Ariana Grande's whole album, uh, Thank You Next, is coming out. Mm-hmm. That's her single. Just came out before Christmas. Um, the 1975 have a new album, Carrie B, Chance the Rapper. Apparently Solange is putting out something, maybe. Uh, Vampire Weekend and Grimes, who is dating Elon Musk. <laughs> okay. Although she is very young, I think. The Cure might have uh, something coming out, and maybe that'll coincide with their Rock and Roll Hall of Fame indu- induction. Uh, Missy Elliott. Oh, there's a blast from the past. I know. She might have, uh, she's going to have something coming out hopefully in 2019, which is very exciting. Uh, Kanye West is supposedly having something coming out this year. Has he even finished the last one? I heard he released something and then he kept like calling it back and making updates to some songs on it. So is the last one even finished yet? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Childish Gambino is, this is apparently going to be his last album coming out this year. Avril Lavigne has a new album coming out this year called Head Above Water. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm not, I, I don't know if I'm ready to go back to that era of our lives. <laughs> Hold on, wait for it. Backstreet Boys have a new album coming out. <laughs> no! It was bad enough the first time they were around. Why are we revisiting this? <laughs> uh, Carly Rae Jepsen is supposed to have a new album coming out. That'll be interesting. To- Which is kind of exciting. I really love Call Me Maybe. I've got to say, it's like a guilty pleasure for sure. Yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see if she remains the one-hit wonder or if she actually can follow up with something. Yeah. Hopefully. Because her second album was pretty good. It just didn't get any pickup. Yeah. I don't think I mean, she gets as much the, credit. Other than the music video with Tom Hanks, I didn't even wasn't even really aware that there was a second album, and I could not even tell you what that song is now. Other than it was Tom Hanks. Another blast from the past. Cher has a new album called Dancing Queen 2 coming out. Isn't that just ABBA covers? I don't know. Christina Aguilera has a new album. That's a blast from the past. Jeez, Louise. Hold on. Dido. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, wow. Uh... Can you count it as a one-hit wonder if there's, like, 20 years between the first one and the next one? Uh, I know. I was scrolling through this, like, come on, let's find some that Elise will know. I'm like, I found this bunch. I'm like, yes. <laughs> Pretty much is the last time I listened to new music was that era. <laughs> uh, Janet Jackson has a new album coming out. Maybe also coincide with her Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inter- induction. Hmm. Uh, Jennifer Lopez, Katy Perry, and the big one, if it comes out, that she's been teasing for about a year that she's going to have a new album out this year is Rihanna. Yes. There was something on Twitter just recently where she confirmed in an interview or something like that. that there- yeah, she sort of alluded that she's got big stuff coming out, and then she dropped like 50 shades of concealer. Mm-hmm. I mean... She's doing the Lord's work with that beauty line. So I don't know if we really need more music from her, if we just let her do that job for the next little while. Well, like she is doing uh, amazing with that beauty line because she dropped 50 shades of concealer and then another 10 shades of um, foundation. 
So when the traditional old establishment makeup lines were saying we can't con- we can't provide colors for every skin type, it's just not feasible. What they meant to say is we don't think brown people have the money to buy our products, so we're only going to cater to white people. Yeah, and like I, as a white person, but I have a hard like I can't find foundation that really suits my skin tone very well. Because I'm very pale, but I also have a lot of red, but I also have a lot of... Like, I'm just like this pasty-ass, unfortunate, red-yellow undertone going on. I was going to say, going by this, like, FaceTime picture, you're more, like, translucent than white. I know. I'm so white in this FaceTime picture. But even, like, as stupid as it sounds, like, even I have trouble. So I can't even imagine someone who is not white. Yeah. Like... Yeah, I just have unfortunate undertones, so that's why my problem. But even I might be able to find, if I wore makeup, maybe some Rihanna product. But uh, And then she has that like absolutely kick-ass lingerie line, which I looked at buying something from last year, but <laughs> by the time you get the exchange rate and the duty on it, it wasn't worth it, mm. so, which is sad. Yeah. <laughs> which is more sadder for Dan, but you know. <laughs> But yeah, that's my story. Interesting. Lots of stuff to look forward to. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if we would count it as 2019 because I can't remember when it came out. But um, we were talking about going and seeing the Will Ferrell, John C. Riley Sherlock. Yes. That's been getting terrible reviews. Like, terrible. Like, people would leave <laughs> theater terrible. Oh, no. So, so I think we can skip that one. <laughs> But one what that wasn't on my list, but I meant to add because it depends on where you are, if it's already come out or if it's coming out, is the um, on the basis of sex, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <gasps> yeah, that I definitely want to see because, as you know, RBG is my my favorite superhero in the world. Your home girl. Yeah. Um, apparently, she saw the movie and she said it was all very accurate, except uh, her first time arguing in front of the Supreme Court, she didn't stumble. So she didn't appreciate them portraying her as a nervous young lawyer. And I read that and I was like, that is so RBG. <laughs> <clears throat> that woman is pretty awesome. Uh, that I think that comes out in Canada in February. I'm looking forward to seeing that. So I, too, am very glad that we're getting a second kick at this New Year's can because I was looking around for ideas and kind of scrambling last night trying to figure out what we was going to talk about. According to everything I'm seeing online and all the memes, this time of year, it's time for a new year. So it's time for a new you. So I am looking at all things New Year's resolution related. It's a popular thing in our culture to set New Year's resolutions, uh, but it is not a new phenomenon. In fact, New Year's resolutions date back at least 4,000 years to the ancient Babylonian culture where people celebrated the feast of Akitu and promised to repay debts and return things they'd borrowed in an attempt to please the deities. Similar practices are known to have occurred in ancient Rome and medieval Europe, And they still even happen in modern times in our religions. Um, So think of Christian watch night services and in the Jewish religion, Yom Kippur, which emphasizes the need to make amends in order to move forward with the new year. New Year's resolutions got traction, though, in the 60s and 70s in modern Western culture, thanks to the whole self-improvement craze, and it became mainstream and permanent around that time as well. 
I, for one, am not big on New Year's resolutions. I'm not good at uh, pressuring myself to do stuff. In fact, I will avoid pressuring myself to do anything. But uh, it seems to be a thing that people still do for some crazy ass reason. So, well. <laughs> So let's look at the numbers then. Uh, the University of Scranton's Journal of Clinical Psychology put out a study that they did. They surveyed Americans to find out what their New Year's resolution patterns were. About 45% of Americans actually still make New Year's resolutions on a regular basis, but only 8% of Americans are successful in achieving those resolutions. So that is not a good Mm-mm. no. <laughs> If I do the numbers quickly, which is never good, only about 5% of all Americans actually are able to make changes based off New Year's resolutions. And about 40% of Americans don't even bother making them. So the simple fact is that making changes are hard. Once you get into a cycle, it's really easy and comforting to stay within that cycle of bad habits. So Terry Goats wrote an article for Psychology Today titled, How to Change Unhealthy Habits. Habits, by definition, are the things that we are so used to doing that they become our default, even when we know better and we should be doing different. And changes can only be made when we stop justifying our poor choices and make the conscious decision to change our behaviors. Goetz's foundational tip is love yourself into change. Be compassionate and understanding with yourself, and don't wait till you get to a crisis point to make those changes. Most bad habits, like uh, poor diets, lack of exercise, or late nights are a response to stress. And you're never going to eliminate that. Sorry. (laughs) Unless you win the lotto big and find yourself an island Daniel Radcliffe style and just retire at age 20, you're always going to have stress in your life. You've got to learn to condition your responses in a way that's healthy and serves a clear purpose, either a physical or mental purpose. So Goats gives 10 steps to changing an unhealthy habit. The first is to identify what it is you want to change. So make a list of all the things you want to improve about yourself and then just pick one to start. Figure out why it became a habit. What are you currently getting out of it that makes you do it? So this will help you develop a targeted solution. I mean, bad habits, obviously, if you're responding to stress, you're trying to avoid your stress. So you've got to figure out what is it about that bad habit that lets you forget or mitigate the stress responses. And you've got to target a solution to that response. You also have to understand your bad habit within your personal context. So don't discount your action just because it's not healthy for you. Assess why you're doing it within the context of your own life. So if you're staying up late for me time, that'll just sabotage yourself the next day because you'll be tired and just creates this like repetitive stress cycle. So knowing your own context is important. This is the um, smoker and fat girls uh, mantra is to swap out the unhealthy for the healthy. So you have to pre-plan. You have to plan an attack before you would normally slip into the negative behavior. So smokers are advised to have a plan for when they would normally go out and take their smoke break. And fat girls are advised to have carrots in the fridge for when they want something crunchy to snack on. Speaking of which, remove your triggers. If your enabling trigger isn't available, so like a bag of chips, you're less likely to be triggered. Visualize the benefits of change. Spend time each day thinking about how the change will improve your life. Don't shit talk yourself. Talk to yourself like you would talk to your best friend. Be positive, supportive, and future-focused. And I'm looking at you, Mandy. 
I'm terrible. How often am I texting you? Like, would you stop trash talking my best friend? You're really making me mad at you. Like, <laughs> I know I'm very bad for that. I'm terrible <laughs> for that, actually. Uh, when making changes, you have to walk before you run. Life is a journey and the components of life, like breaking a bad habit is too. So take little steps along that path. Accept that you will slip sometimes. We aren't perfect and habits are hard to break. So the occasional slip is common and you're defined by how you recover from the slip, not the slip itself. And then finally, changes takes time. You have to remap your brain patterns and that's not a fast process. And dropping a habit can take several weeks. So I know people who are trying to quit smoking, say three days, once you're over that three day hump, it gets easier. And then the cravings are almost completely gone after a couple of weeks. And that's because the brain is reworking itself. So that's the science behind bad habits. And New Year's resolutions are about fixing bad habits of one stripe or another. Let's get specific then about how you want to develop a New Year's resolution. I know this is already early January, but um, every day is a chance to start a new resolution. So if you miss the January 1st start date, don't let that be the kicker. Every day can be the day that you start a resolution. The New York Times, Jen Miller wrote an article about setting successful resolutions and goals. Um, according to Franklin Covey, which is a time management firm, one third of resolutions don't survive into February. Flawed resolutions tend to be ones that are created in response to society's expectations rather than an internal drive. It's also, they're also either too vague or they're just not realistic. So to be successful, you have to think smart. And SMART is an acronym because life is hard and acronyms help you remember pieces of it. So the SMART acronym for setting a successful resolution are be specific. It is clear, it's goal-oriented, and it has a timeline with a plan of action attached. So I will lose weight versus I will lose five pounds before February by taking the stairs at work every day. It has to be measurable. You're able to track your progress from the starting point. So if you're trying to stop chewing your fingernails, take pictures of your gnarly clawed up hands at the start and then compare it to you nicely manicured hands at the end of the month just to see the progress. It has to be achievable. So dream big, but be realistic and set progress goals. Instead of saying, I want to have enough for a down payment on a $1 million mansion by next year, say I'll save $100 a month in a high interest savings account. It has to be relevant. So it has to matter to you. Changing for someone else isn't a rational thing to do. Not just in New Year's resolution, but in relationships and everything in life. You change for yourself, not for others. So instead of saying, I'm going to read the entire Booker Prize shortlist to impress my coworkers, say, I'm going to read more by finding stuff that interests me and dedicating 15 minutes a day to my reading. And they have to be time bound. So goals are only wishes if there's no timeline attached. Your goal or habit may be a huge and long process, but if you approach it in measurable chunks, you're more likely to succeed. So I will never smoke again becomes I'll stop smoking and I will celebrate every day, then week, then month, then year as time goes by. If your resolution is uh, to break a certain habit, start by writing out why you're doing it and focus on your cue, your routine, and the reward that comes with it. So for example, if you were to say, I don't get enough sleep at night, that's the bad habit you wanna break. The cue then is, I feel like I need some me time in the evening. That's why you're doing it. The routine that you fall into is, I stay up too late watching TV, 
And the reward for that is I'm entertained and I'm feeling like I'm getting enough me time. So to change your behavior, you would carve out special time every day for yourself, ask for help from your family or loved ones uh, to help you find that time, and then decide on what self-care activities are best for you. On the other side of things, if your resolution is to start a good habit, then you would go through a similar process by identifying what it is you want, which is the wish, what you want the outcome to be. So what will your life look like when you hit your goal? Then you look at any sort of obstacles that may be in your path. So what's likely to get in the way of achieving your goal and how are you going to plan around them? And then you put together your plan. So how are you going to achieve your wish? We are pack animals. So tackling resolutions within a group can be helpful. It should still be about you and not an external influence or um, pressure. But you should feel supported and be supportive of others who have a similar goal to you. Make sure people that you know and trust are aware of your goal and then ask them to keep you accountable, like having a running buddy. If you add stakes to your goal, you're more likely to achieve it. So if you give your running buddy a $100 bill and say you can only have it back when you reach a certain goal, you're more likely to attain that goal. Or you can pay your running buddy a fine for every session that you miss, like five bucks a day type of thing if you miss a run with them. Online communities are great, but you can't beat real life. Yeah, if your goal is kind of niche, it might be a good idea to find someone online to help support you, but uh, face-to-face interaction can't be um, beat. And you have to cut out the bad influences. Mob mentality can and will drag you down. So if you're trying to quit smoking, don't go hang out with your smoking buddies on their smoke break. It's not going to work. (laughs) Well, exactly. Yeah. New Year's resolutions should be a personal thing, but they are big business. Uh, The Atlantic did an article about kind of the the money side of it and the market and consumer side of New Year's resolutions. And they give some examples uh, from this year. So, for example, Cigna Health Insurance had a campaign running on TV this year with commercials starring Queen Latifah, Ted Danson, and one of the Jonas kids. I don't know which one they're all interchangeable uh and encouraging you to be healthy this year and to get insurance target had a product section on their website called wellness for the win and it was right next to the new year's eve party supplies and then the big gym chain uh, equinox had a big flashy colorful gif online to advertise the new year's eve membership special which runs completely counter to their regular branding look all of these companies are trying to get your attention to sell you something. Companies will bank on the idea that New Year's is a time for revitalization, so they roll out new products at this time of year to target consumers looking for a fresh start. And they will also shame you into thinking that you need these products to meet your New Year's goals. If you've ever noticed that um, there's a lot of new fitness wear that comes out late December early January. It's for a reason because they know that people are going to hit the gyms harder in this next month than they will in the other 11 months. Oh, yes. Anybody like I have a few friends who are big gym people. Mm -hmm. They hate January because it's like the gyms are blocked. And then by February, it's crickets. Just empty. Because everybody's giving up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, It's hard to track what comes first, though. Is this advertising telling us what we should be improving about ourselves Or is the motivation to improve something that the companies are responding to and reacting to? So it's a bit of a chicken or an egg deal. 
Conveniently enough, there's a lot of marketable products slash services that are associated with these trends that just happen to come out into the market at this time of year. So gym membership and workout clothes. Meal kits are also really big at this time of year. People deciding they want to eat healthy, so they'll hit up HelloFresh and uh, Blue Apron and really, at this time of year, put in their orders. Uh, investment firms and financial planners often put out more advertising and commercials at this time of year as well. People trying to get more um, financially secure in their in their life. The two most common resolutions that people make that is, as from what I read is uh, stuff about health and wellness and making more money. So the yeah. two industries are really big at this time of year. Weight loss resolutions, though, are actually pretty dangerous. They lead to yo-yo dieting, which is really unhealthy for the body and just never works. Uh, When you want to change your weight, you have to make systemic changes to your day-to-day life. Uh, I watched my mother yo-yo diet throughout my entire childhood and can co-sign the fact that they don't work. And you just put on all the weight that you lost and more, and you're miserable while losing it. So it's not worth it. Some of the marketed products slash services may help you achieve your goals, but unless the impetus for that change is internal, you're just wasting your money. Don't bother. And uh, I think the closing line from this article in The Atlantic was really interesting. Uh, From the author, she says, accepting the fundamental fact of myself has allowed me to take stock of the things I do and to change the things within my control that I dislike. None of that has involved buying something on sale. So again, it's an internal process. It's not external. So let's say you're still dying to chain yourself to a New Year's resolution. What should you be thinking of doing? Don't worry, PBS has you covered, and they put out a list of good ideas for resolutions. They suggest getting more and better sleep, which will help you be more productive at work and at home. It'll improve your immune system, and it will help your heart with long-term health. They also suggest changing when you eat to give your metabolism a hand. So this is one of those new... 30-day diet things that I read about recently. I've seen this. Have you heard of um, nighttime fasting? Yes. Yeah. So the idea is you only eat when the sun is up. And then as soon as the sun goes down, you stop eating. And that aligns your circadian rhythm with your metabolism. And it's supposed to help you burn your calories at the better time of day. I don't know. (laughs) I've apparently been daytime or nighttime fasting for years without calling it that. And I tell you, it does not help. (laughs) I also read somewhere that like if you're going to eat cake or chocolate or something unhealthy, you're best to do it in the morning. Yeah. Because you're more likely to burn it off. So so have your cake for breakfast, people, I suppose. (laughs) I mean, you're not already doing that. (laughs) Fine, I am. So (laughs) I am, yeah. Uh, Another good idea is to grow and improve face-to-face relationships. Stop putting so much stock in your online. I say this as you and I are on FaceTime. So (laughs) be mobile. Not only does it burn calories, but it releases the happy chemicals in your brain. So take a 10 minute walk at lunch, get an annual physical. It's actually a really easy uh, resolution to kind of set. And I don't know why I haven't like primed myself for success by just adopting this one and just saying, I will get an annual physical. We're supposed to do it every year. It's right in the name annual. So (laughs) I actually have to book mine, I think. I have to figure out what mine's supposed to be. There you go. Low-hanging fruit. I will get an annual physical this year. That is I your goal. I get them. I just don't know because it changed with like the kids. Yeah. So I used to do them in January, but then I think I did them in June of this year. I have to double check. I think I have one every like five years or so. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not good on the whole annual part of it. 
Well, because I had um, dysplasia, I had precancerous cervical cells. Right. I'm one of those people who has to have their pap smear every year. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got the scary letter in the mail from public health telling me to go get my hooch checked. So I need to get on that. <laughs> yeah, I have to have it done every year. I'm not one of those people who can do every three years. Mm. So. And lastly, from PBS, uh, again, this made me laugh. Reduce your stress. Yeah. <laughs> um, Very funny, PBS. Yeah. But seriously, even just proper or mindful breathing can help. Or leading up to when I left my last job, I had a GIF bookmarked that helped me with my breathing. So it's like four really, like a long count of four in and a long count of four out. And so during periods of high, high stress, when it was either slap a bitch or leave, and I couldn't leave, I would sit and I would watch this GIF for like four or five minutes and just like calmly focus my breathing. And it really helped bring the anxiety and stress level down in the room. So if you can't quit your job because you haven't won the lotto yet, maybe check out this GIF. That'll help. More concrete and easy ideas for resolutions, though, uh, comes to us from Good Housekeeping. And these are really targeted, easy to do. Eat more citrus. If you aren't like me and are allergic to citrus, this is an option for you. (laughs) Yes, I am allergic to citrus. But um, if you eat more citrus, there's a lot of health benefits. And it's just generally good for you. Bring plants into your home and office space. Uh, People who have greenery in their space are reported as feeling less stressful and it cleans the environment around you. It's it's a good thing to do. Problem for me is I can't keep them alive, but... I'm allergic. And you're allergic, so... Yeah, mold. We're both screwed on those. on them. Uh, Find some fragrances that you like and use them in your home uh, because scent is such a great stress reducer if you can find a Glade plugin that doesn't drive you crazy or trigger your asthma, might be a good idea to bring a scent into the place. Uh, Decorate with family photos. Again, it helps bring down your stress level and reminds you of what's important. Sanitize your phone weekly. I choose to ignore the fact that our phones are just disgusting germ delivery systems, but that's what they are. Listen to novels while you're working out or driving. Find some place to volunteer and give back to your community. Delegate more chores to family members. You don't have to be the martyr that does the kitchen cleaning up every day. That can be the husband or the kids or whoever you have living with you. Like, spread the love. Find a new hobby. I would say start a podcast, but um, there's quite a few of them out there. But, you know, something along that line. (laughs) Play upbeat music. I do this at work when I'm feeling uh, really tired and it's an alternative to a 3 p.m. chocolate break. I'll put on some like dance music for the rest of the afternoon and that helps. That's how I drive to work sometimes. Yeah. I get like, by the time I hit traffic on Hunt Club, I'm like nodding. So I've got to turn on like the Rihanna and the, the, the dance music, the Lady Gaga's. And- yep. Find something to do during your lunch break that's productive. So I need to internalize this one because I spend my lunch break usually on Facebook and BuzzFeed. But go for a walk or read a book or learn something and use that time wisely. Donate your old clothes. Uh, It just clears out your closet and helps someone else. Treat yourself to affordable spa-like products. So pick up that set of bath bombs or facial masks that you have been eyeing on Amazon for the last few weeks. And give yourself compliments. Even if you have to write it on a post-it and put it on your bathroom mirror, give yourself compliments. It helps get the day started right. All of these are great, but they're not exactly geared towards our generation. 
So I headed over to Bustle and they had a list of some more useful and practical um, New Year's resolutions that you can consider making that help you with your day-to-day and social life. Uh, The first one is to master three infallible jokes. So just have jokes in your back pocket that you can take out in any situation and you know are going to land and are going to make people laugh. So in that same vein, learn a party trick. Again, it's just another way to break the ice and uh, open up new conversations. Another idea is to develop your own go-to drink. So for example, I have a bastardized version of a Long Island iced tea that is to die for. And by that, I mean it is literally likely to kill you if you drink more than three. (laughs) I know this because I almost died once at a family reunion where I had more than... Oh, I had the third one and ended up in the pool fully dressed. It was nice. not a good scene. Classy. Not a good scene. <laughs> uh, and finally, a good idea for the younger crowd is to subscribe to new information content. So if you're used to getting all of your um, news from CNN or MSNBC, try using the BBC. I'm not going to say try Fox because I don't think anyone should be using Fox for any sort of information. But the more um, points of view you have in your life, the better rounded you're going to be and the more weight your opinions can have when you're discussing them with others. So that's all well and good, but let's crowdsource this bitch and find us some of the weirdest New Year's resolutions that people are making. Uh, Twitter had the hashtag going around uh, New Year's resolutions. So I found a website that had collected some of the best of these and uh, just have a handful. At iGrowBeard, resolution for this year is eat less bacon, edit, less is more, so eat more bacon. Which, uh, I was going to say, eat less bacon? No, eat more no bacon. It's all good. At Bongo Justice, his resolution is to petition the queen to try and get James Bond to root a bloke in the next movie, which I think we can all agree with. Yeah, yeah. It'd be nice to see a little bit of LGBTQ in this world. At Twatch This Wee Wee, recommends for their resolution at least not speaking on it just doing it fair at vin vasan they say read articles completely and close tabs and not let them linger throughout the day which i am really guilty with i am so guilty (laughs) of that i'll do that in the morning while i'm scrolling through facebook waiting for my tea to finish brewing i'll like open up a bunch of articles that i want to read and then it'll be like four o'clock in the afternoon and i'll be like fuck i never got around to reading that article it's just been open all day long it probably thinks i'm the dumbest girl in the building and i can't like read anything quickly enough <laughs> at inc 184 increase my relationship status from forever alone to slightly desperate which <laughs> i mean i think i'll stick with forever alone i'm happy with that one <laughs> Finally, uh, bar- at Barstool Jordy has a quite a list. Learn the difference between effect and affect. I need to do that. Learn how to clone Nutella. Buy a boat, preferably inflatable. <laughs> so, he's, he's going for the obtainable. Yeah, I want to hang out with Barstool Jordy. He seems like he's going to have a lot of fun this year. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so my takeaway from all this was don't tie yourself to a resolution you can't make. Don't feel you have to make a resolution at all. And uh, just be happy, healthy, and lead a good of life as possible. That's it. 
So that brings us to the last part of our episode, and that is the Florida Man story of the week. So the title of this is A Florida Man Attacks a McDonald's Employee Because He's Mad About the Straw Policy. Oh my god, it's for the sea turtles! You have to respect the sea turtles! So police in Florida arrested a man for assaulting two McDonald's employees on New Year's Eve, with a witness capturing the incident in a viral video. Daniel Taylor, who turned 40 the day before his arrest, was charged with two counts of battery in St. Petersburg after becoming violent over a policy that requires straws to be requested at the counter. Okay, two things. 40, you should know better. Two, it's not even like they said no straws. They just said, please ask for a straw and Buddy lost his shit. Oh boy. Yes. So is this alcohol related or meth related? Oh, we'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> so the video of the incident recorded by uh, a bystander shows Taylor yelling at a young woman, a young woman McDonald's employee. Thanks. That's great writing, BuzzFeed. A young <laughs> female McDonald's employee. She said, the bystander, that Taylor had gotten furious after picking up his order and not finding any straws in the condiment section. Oh, boy. This was all over a straw, she said. He yelled at the employee. There's no straws here. It looks like someone's not doing their job. The employee then explained to Taylor that it was now policy to not put straws out, but the customers can instead request them. He became very upset and he started berating her, swearing and saying, there's no law like that. And then the employee said, yes, we're not allowed to put straws out. Voices then were escalated and they started swearing at each other. Since she was the only the bystander, was the only customer, she began filming on her phone in case a witness was needed. Taylor Good. then leaned over the counter and grabbed the employee's shirt, jerking her towards him. Oh. And also, I'd like to point out that the video shows not a whole lot of her male colleagues helping her out. Although I haven't watched the whole video, so maybe they do in the end. The In the video, the witness can be heard saying, get the police and let her go. Thanks, witness. The employee of the main harbor McDonald's fought back against Taylor. Yes, this really did happen last night for all those asking me. It all started because he wanted a straw. The young girl, so the employee, said that she used to box, so she fought him off. Oh. <laughs> Taylor, who was under the influence of alcohol, there it is. then declared, I want her ass fired, according to the arrest record. And mm. the employee replied, no, you're going to jail. Yeah. The witness said she came forward with the video partly because I wanted the girl to keep her job and that all the employees to keep their jobs. I just felt sorry for the girl. She told me she had a baby two months ago. Aww. The arrest report stated that the employee was not harmed. However, Taylor, who was homeless, allegedly injured another employee by kicking her in the stomach oh. as he was leaving. The defendant was being escorted out of the business by management due to him berating another employee and causing a disturbance. The defendant then kicked the victim in the stomach as she was standing near the exit door. Yep. Uh, I haven't watched the video either, but I saw some screen grabs. If I'm not mistaken, the first employee that he grabbed was a young woman of color. Maybe. I, I do see that there's another employee that does help her at some point. But, yeah. Uh... It's just, it screams white privilege to me. <laughs> Well, and it all, just, just, just to me, screams stupid drunk man thinks that he needs some straws and he shouldn't have to ask for them. Like, he's clearly drunk. Yeah, that comes from a place, though, of, like, the root of that, as far as I'm concerned, is uh, this world is here for me. And I would like it to cater to me how I want it catered to. Like, 
Yowzas. You know, this is also Florida. This is the same place where a man yelled, there's no Santa Claus at a holiday event at children. True. Well, no, wait. Trump was in the White House when he did that on the phone. He wasn't calling from our lago. No, this is another man in oh, Florida. okay. <laughs> oh, Florida, you are the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> so that is it for our episode today. Uh, Andy, you want to tell the people where they can find us? So, yeah, you can find us on our website at rabbitholespodcast.com. There you can find our blog as well as our support and merch tabs, which have links to our Patreon and our Redbubble store. You can also find us on social media at Facebook. We are Rabbit Holes Podcast page. At Instagram, we're Rabbit Holes Podcast. And Twitter, we are rabbit ho- at rabbitholespod. Absolutely. And if you want to get in touch with us, our email is rabbitholespodcast at gmail.com. Drop us a note. Let us know about some of the rabbit holes that you find yourself falling down or that you would like us to tackle for you on the show. Also, if you want to take some time to leave us a good rating or review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you're downloading this podcast, that would be great. Helps us get our name out there and into the algorithms. And also, if anyone you know ever says, hey, do you know of a good podcast I should be listening to? Uh, Let them know about us. Uh, Recent articles have shown that most people get their podcast content and recommendations from people that they know. So help us network that way. And there's only one last thing to say. If you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. Have a great one. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.